I have a very special guest with me here today. I'll give you a hint. She is the first African-American woman in AFP's 61-year history to be voted chair of the AFP Global Board. Welcome to All About Capital Campaigns, a podcast that provides fuel for your nonprofit's growth. Each week, Andrea Kilstedt and Amy Eisenstein, co-founders of Capital Campaign Pro, provide practical tips about raising more money for your nonprofit organization. Here are your hosts, Amy and Andrea. Hi, I'm Amy Eisenstein. My co-founder, Andrea Kilstead, is taking a break today, but I have a very special guest with me today. I want to welcome Birgit Burton, who's the executive director of AADO, the African American Development Officers Network, which she founded at Georgia Tech to provide professional development, education, employment support, mentorship, and networking opportunities for fundraisers of color. She is a well-regarded speaker and author on the topics of fundraising and diversity. Birgit has served on the Global Board of the Association of Fundraising Professionals, AFP, for nearly a decade and has the distinction of being the first African-American woman in AFP's 61-year history to be voted chair of the AFP Global Board. Welcome, Birgit. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. You know, I was hoping you weren't going to read my whole bio because then the uh, podcast would be over, right? And people would be on their way to their their next event. But thank you. Well, I did cut it down because you have so many accomplishments and so many distinctions, but we did have to highlight the the big ones, right? Those are the big ones. And those are what I'm I'm most proud of. Thank you. Yes, you have so many accomplishments. But first, I think I want to get started with your work at AFP and specifically with IDEA. Can you tell people what that stands for and tell us a little bit about the concept? Um, IDEA stands for Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, and Access. And um, before I tell you a little bit more about that, let me tell you how we got there because I have the I guess I would say the honor of having been the diversity and inclusion chair at the time that AFP changed from diversity and inclusion to IDEA. And so we were meeting as a committee, as the global IDEA committee, excuse me, diversity and inclusion committee. And we were trying to figure out what our focus was going to be. And we decided to look back at a summit that the diversity summit that had taken place in around 2016 in Pittsburgh. And there was a lot of good work, Amy, that came out of that diversity summit. And people will be able to find the report from that diversity summit online. But at the end of it were some action items. And I'm going to say maybe six or seven action items. And so as the committee, we said, why are we trying to find some new things that we need to focus on in the diversity and inclusion space? Let's go back to that summit. What came out of the summit? There were over 100 people who participated in a full day of workshops and discussions. And so 
We did that. And one of the things that came out of, you know, reviewing those action items was um, what other parts of, you know, what we need to focus on in, in the diversity and inclusion space, including, you know, defining it. Yeah. We need to add. And it came out that we needed to include equity and access or important parts of the work in diversity and inclusion. And so as we, you know, put the letters together, really, somebody actually said, wow, if you, you know, change it around, it comes out to idea, you know, and I've even presented recently in London at the, one of the conferences, the CIOF conference, what's the big idea, right? There's so many different ways that you can, you know, use idea, but I'll tell you, not every chapter was excited about using idea. Mm. Some thought that's a little too corny. That's a little <laughs> too cute. And then we eventually got past that to recognize that it's really not about the um, the title, the, the acronym. It's about the work that we're doing. So, yes, our commitment to diversity and inclusion, AFP is committed to fostering a diverse and inclusion fundraising profession. It's not just about the association, it's about the profession. And our work emphasizes the importance of um, creating an environment where professionals from all backgrounds are welcomed, respected, and provided with equitable opportunities. You know, not everybody feels that they have the same opportunities. Not everybody feels included. Not everybody feels welcomed. Um, And so in the equity and access, in our work going beyond diversity and inclusion, it means addressing systemic barriers, biases, and inequities within the fundraising sector, and aims to ensure that everyone has an equitable chance to participate, succeed, and lead in the fundraising field. So that's a very important part of what we are focusing on, our idea work, and what we're encouraging our chapters and our members to focus on as well. That's great. Can you give one example of how that's playing out or, you know, either one success story or one area, one specific action item that the committee is taking that's uh, either making progress or or being worked on? Yeah. So, you know, this is this will really be the second time that I've spoken about this recently. I was a keynote speaker for the uh, South Sound chapter in Tacoma, Washington, where I talked about what many have probably heard about uh, an issue of anti-Black racism that uh, took place in the Toronto chapter, which is at the time that this happened, the largest AFP chapter. Um, and so it would that would be a different podcast, you know, yeah. to go through all of that. But I will tell you, one of the, the positive things that has come out of that is work that we're doing in creating a member fair behavior policy. And so that will actually be a way for people, however they identify, whatever the challenge is, whatever they've encountered within the association as a member, whether it's with another member or whether it's with um, you know, in the chapter, they have a way to lift up that 
you know, concern, that issue, that complaint, that it will be, you know, met with um, respect and understanding and reviewed by, uh, you know, a group, uh, a panel of people who will uh, absolutely hear and take to heart, you know, what that member um, you know, experience to to ensure that they're treated fairly, uh, equitably. Yeah, good, great. All right, Birgit, what advice do you have for women fundraisers and for Black fundraisers, especially those in campaigns who may be working with primarily white male donors and volunteers? This is based on my own experience and some things that I experienced that I've actually spoken publicly about working 25, 26 years at Georgia Institute of Technology. I say to every woman, she who has knowledge has power. And that has been the difference between me being disrespected, left out, unacknowledged, undervalued. Sorry to have to say this. Amy, because this shouldn't be the case, but I have learned through my career, and I'm old, that when I come to the table with information that people don't have, they sit up and listen. Yeah. And so I I will tell you that there are plenty of times that I should have been invited, included, valued, listened to because of my you know, my tenure, my experience, my title, and I wasn't. But I can tell you plenty of times when I had done my homework, when I had, you know, have dug a little deeper and found information that people didn't have, and I've been the one to say, you know, X, Y, Z, people have said, really? And how did she know that? Or how did she get that information? Or, you know, and I have, they have made sure that I'm at every meeting, you know, that I am, um, you know, seek my advice, my, my counsel. Yeah. Um, I could, you know, give you a story. It would take too long to tell it, but I will tell you that um, I found out that a prospective donor who told me in a conversation that I had with her that they were willing to consider a $30 million grant. And I knew that the people that were going to make the ask were only going to ask for 20. Mm. She said, I am not going to let them know that we're willing to consider up to 30. But I had reached out to this person because I had been excluded from the meeting that she had been invited to, to have the conversation. And that was a relationship that I had. So um, I ended up bringing that, you know, forward and people were absolutely floored. Yeah. Because how did I know that? And, you know, um, and so now that, you know, not all the time will you be able to get that kind of big (laughs) information. Yeah. But I just know in the people that I mentor, that I counsel, when I've told them, you know, go that extra mile, yeah. do your homework and come to the table with information that makes you valuable and you'll be respected and included. 
Yeah, that's such great advice. So go the extra mile, do your homework, do the research and build those trusting relationships. I, that That's another takeaway I heard from that. All right, so let's uh, move over to another one of your amazing roles, and that is your role and your founding role with AADO. So over the last decade, well, first of all, remind everybody what AADO is and talk about, you know, what are your biggest accomplishments over the last decade and really what are your goals for the next decade? So I founded AADO, the African-American Development Officers Network, because I was hired at Georgia Institute of Technology in 1998, and I discovered not long after starting that I was the first frontline person of color that the university had ever hired in the development office. And after having worked for 11 years as the uh, area director for the United Negro College Fund, which had a staff that was 95% people of color, I suddenly found myself in not even a reverse situation because there was nobody that was doing fundraising that was a person of color. So I reached out to what's called the Atlanta University Center, where the historically Black colleges and universities are near Georgia Tech, the HBCUs that I raised money for for 11 years working for UNCF. And I started a network so that we would be able to um, come together, share best practices, maybe commiserate a little, you know, but support one another. And we started off having a get-together that turned into a conference. And so 25 people gathering now today, which I'm very proud to say we have over 3,500 members around the country and in Canada. We have probably about 50, 60 members in Canada. And of the 3,500, about 85% are people of color, fundraisers, and, uh, and others who are in the profession. Um, and the rest are allies and talent managers or recruiters. Uh-huh. So I'm thrilled about that. What I'm most proud of is that for about 22 years, we were just an informal network that I managed with a slew of volunteers. Now we are a formal 501c3. We have an amazing board and we are continuing to do the work of supporting the fundraisers of color in the profession. We post jobs. Our jobs on the ADO website, the views that the jobs get uh, is unbelievable. Um, at one one month, it was over 10,000 views wow. and was shared a hundred and something times. Yeah. Um, it's not just people of color coming and looking at the job postings. And so that has been a big accomplishment. We're getting ready to launch an organizational membership program because we don't charge AADO members currently anything mm. because we don't want them to have to make a choice between other association memberships. So our members don't pay anything, but we're starting an organizational membership and we haven't launched it. And we have eight members. (laughs) I love that. That's great. We have eight lead members and, you know, two categories, ambassador and champion. And so those are going to be organizations that support AADO 
and it will agree to a statement that says, you know, we we believe and promote diversity. Oh, the, great. Sign us up. All right. We're going to be your ninth member. Um, so. All right. I love it. All right. Thank so um, what's the website for AADO? How can people find it? Um, it's aadonetwork.com.com. Okay, perfect. Com. Yes, it's going to be org soon. Ah. But, but don't don't get distracted. It's com now. <laughs> aadonetwork.com. And when we're ready to you know, transition. It'll redirect. We'll, we'll, that's, yes. that's fine. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Well, that's really exciting. All right. Uh, let's go back to talk about AFP for a minute. So what are, well, not necessarily talking about AFP, but as the chair of AFP, what are some of the most exciting or important fundraising trends that you're seeing right now? What should people be paying attention to and looking out for? So I, you know, I know that we probably a published list of what that is. I'd like to share what. So I've been going around the country. I've been in Canada. I've been in Guadalajara. I've been, you know, meeting members uh, everywhere. Number one, which we already talked about, so I won't go on you know, any longer about it. Everybody is concerned about diversity and inclusion. So idea yes. in the profession, everyone. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll go on beyond that. Um, people want to know, really understand what the numbers are. When I was in Guadalajara uh, in Mexico, it was really interesting because I met with the president of the University of Guadalajara, and he wants to actually establish a certificate, perhaps a degree in philanthropic studies mm. and it really wants to focus on what are the numbers who's giving you know and that's that's what everybody asks USA giving report you know everybody's on the edge of their seats what is you know what do the numbers look like then we drill down into it because really what do those numbers mean you know when we're talking about people are asking a lot of questions about high end donors what percentage of the giving is really coming from the Mackenzie Scotts and the, you know, right. and so people really want to understand more about um, those giving trends. Another one is artificial intelligence. I mean, that's no surprise, yes. you know, and the controversy around that and how does that fit into fundraising? You know, actually I uh, had someone tell me the other day, oh my goodness, I wrote the most amazing donor letter <laughs> through chat GPT. Like, yes. Well, you know, and um, I'm hearing more and more about that. And I think if listeners haven't played around with and experimented with chat GPT yet, you should and know that there are flaws and you shouldn't use it to write a letter and then use it verbatim. But for very rough drafts, or I actually use it for bullet points sometimes. I'll ask it to give yes. me a list of 20 reasons a donor should give, and then I'll pick four. You know, maybe it spits out something that I haven't thought of. So then I'll, you know, I'll write it based on that. But you should be playing with AI. It is the sure. not only the way of the future, it's current. It's current. It definitely is. I did put something in once looking for some uh, keynote bullets for something. And I put AFP and I didn't spell it out. And it brought back the Association of Finance Professionals. <laughs> right, or something. Right. And so I was laughing about that. I knew that it's, it's you know, not it gave always me the right, right information. But yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so and another one is um, you're seeing a lot of trends toward donor advised funds. Mm. I know that's not new, but um, I have, you know, recently, and I'm saying in like the last three or four weeks, had ADO members ask me if I could give them more information or connect them with the right foundation, you know, that could assist, mm. you know, in establishing uh, a donor advised fund. We've talked about it, um, you know, my previous employer at Georgia Tech in actually with some foundation grants, perhaps establishing at the university a fund, a donor advised fund, you know, with the foundation. It's like, we already have our endowment, our fund. We don't need to, you know, <laughs> create one within your university. But those are some of the the trends that um, yeah. I'm seeing. Yeah. Good, good things for people to know about, pay attention to, notice. All right. So if you had one piece of advice for fundraisers heading into a capital campaign, because that's most of our listenership, what would be your one piece of advice for fundraisers who are heading into a capital campaign? This might sound kind of, you know, 101-ish, right? But I say, get a mentor somebody who knows this, right? You know, I the new vice president for development at Georgia Tech actually was a friend of mine 20 some years ago. Um, and so she stepped into the role at Georgia Tech right as I was retiring. But we, you know, were remembering years ago when when we were, you know, friends and, you know, starting on this journey. And I said to her before I was leaving, because the university is entering a capital campaign, I said, you know, the former vice president had an advisor, you know, a capital campaign advisor, an individual that counseled him through the campaign. Yeah. He was his paid go-to person. Yeah. Um, and yeah. my vice president had been through three campaigns. <laughs> right. You know, but, right. So he wasn't brand new to it. But I really believe that you need somebody that you can have those conversations with that, you know, um, can give you, you know, solid advice on challenges that you're experiencing and, um, and knows from experience, you know, going into consulting after you've led campaigns and, you know, you go out um, and retire is a great direction to go because I think that the advice and counsel, the sage advice and counsel that someone, you know, with that experience can give you is important. So whether you hire that person or you seek a mentor. Yes. um, I think it's really important. And I think both, right? You want to probably have a paid expert by your side, an advisor or a consultant, and you want to surround yourself with mentors as much as you can. Great advice. I love that. Many of my mentors I found through AFP and I have mentees Mm -hmm. through AFP. So um, you want both. You need paid expertise probably and colleagues in the field. I agree. All right. So Birgit, what's next on your horizon? What's next for you? Um, So, you know, I finish my time as the global board chair December 31st. I will lead AADO for, you know, two, three maybe four more years. And then what I'd really like to do is two things. One, I own a house in Southwest Michigan. It is my parents' house. And I really want to turn it into an Airbnb. 
because it's eight miles from a resort town called South Haven, Michigan. And people come from Indiana and Illinois and Ohio and Kentucky to this, you know, town to go to the beach to, you know, it's one of these quaint towns that it looks like you, it would be the backdrop for, you know, one of those uh, Hallmark movies, right? You Great. know, the, the, yes. the South. So I wanted to change that, do that. And, um, and then lastly, my grandmother was an amazing woman and I am adopted. Uh, my parents adopted me in Germany. Um, my grandmother became my grandmother. She's not my blood blood grandmother, but it doesn't matter. She is the woman that I learned philanthropy and generosity from. And um, there's a long story, but I just want to say that, you know, my parents are gone. All the people that really knew her well are gone. And I discovered some articles um, recently going through some things at my parents' house And my grandmother was invited by President Kennedy to serve on a 300-woman count group for a summit that was led by um, Eleanor Roosevelt. And this was in an article in the newspaper. And she got a, a telegram from President Kennedy to come be a part of the summit a month before the March on Washington. So I am excited to begin doing the research on that learn more about my grandmother, visit the Kennedy Library, and really put together a whole sort of story of my grandmother on a website so that her her story and her legacy live on. So that's what I'm really excited about doing beyond my fundraising journey. That is awesome. I love both of those goals for you. I can't wait to I can't wait to hear more about them. We'll check back in in a year or two and see how much progress you've made, I'm sure. Um, all right, Birgit, thank you so much. It's wonderful to hear about all of your accomplishments with AFP, with IDEA, with AADO. I mean, you are such an amazing role model for women, for Black women, for people, all, all fundraisers in this field. And I just thank you for everything you do for our field. Thanks for joining Amy and Andrea for today's All About Capital Campaigns. To learn more about them and their work together, visit CapitalCampaignPro.com. And please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcasting platform. Thank you.